Welcome. We trust you will be encouraged by this message from Mahesh and Bonnie Chavda by Chavda Ministries International. Real love, real people, real power. Hallelujah. And you may be seated. And what we're going to do, um, we're going to focus a little on the word I shared last Friday, but expanding it in a little different way. And then we're going to have communion. Like I said, um, we are focusing on the Lord for the next 40 days. And it's, I'm so encouraged and blessed to see the, uh, I had a huge list of people who have committed to fast with us. And it's, wow, it's so much. And I believe that the seriousness of what we as a people of God are going through is really waking people up as never before. And seeing what's happening, important issues regarding our health, regarding our children, regarding the economy, regarding the armed forces, regarding so many issues, the drug traffic, that's a lot of governors are now beginning to discuss how many thousands of Americans have been taken as victims of the drug trafficking. So it is a time to seek the Lord. And I want to read from scripture. Um, this is a 40-day fast. And we chose the first portion of it to be a fast of humbling and repentance. And part of our model is in the book of Jonah. Now, as far as I can recall, in many recent years, we have never focused so much on Jonah and the story of Nineveh. But it is one of the most ideal, amazing story of a 40-day fast and what God does there. So bear with me as I read from the book of Jonah, chapter 3. Um, it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Now, if we have time, we're going to look at the word of the Lord coming to Jonah the first time. And uh, if you look at the story of Jonah, it is one of the most important, I believe, stories. Because it is the Lord Jesus Christ himself says this is, I mean, attests to the fact that these are true events. When Jesus qualifies it as a true event, you better believe it, that this is not some kind of fiction story. Someone imagined it. And uh, so, and Jonah lived near Nazareth in 793. So about, almost about 800 years before the birth of Jesus Christ in a small township named Gath-Hefer, just about five miles or so from Nazareth. 
And who comes from Nazareth, by the way? Years later. That's one of his titles. Jesus of Nazareth comes from it. And you, 2 Kings chapter 14 mentions Jonah. In the time of Jeroboam, King Jeroboam II. And uh, this is, these are the times where Israel is beginning to extend its borders. And uh, later you find they extend really even more with King David and Solomon. But there are begins, beginnings. And the main resisting force that's a very uh, opposing empire is the Syrian Empire. And they don't, the Israelites and the Syrians don't have a very pleasant relationship. They are the enemy nation. So it's good to see this in context. So why you see in the first chapter chapters when the word of the Lord comes it says to Jonah he says thank you very much you are telling me to go to Nineveh I'm going to go in the opposite direction 2,000 miles if I can as far as I can from this pressure of having to give this word why because he, in, in his heart of hearts Jonah does not want God to give any kind of healing and repentance to the Assyrians. He dislikes them. He is very, very human. And he would say, well, he's a man of God and all that. Not really. He is. Oh, he runs from this word. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. No, sir. <laughs> well, it came. And Jonah says, thank you. No, sir. Um, so that it's interesting to Noah in what context. Why is he refusing to go to Nineveh? Because he does. If we have to, we're going to see this. And it's very important. And even though the word of the Lord that came to Jonah that said, now speak judgment to Nineveh. So God was not giving him a very assuring word. He was saying, Oh, 40 days and then you're going to be destroyed. That's not a wonderful healing word. And yet he knows, Jonah knows and knows and knows. Whatever you say, God is a gracious God. He is a merciful God to all. And we need to realize that will be surprised. I'm really it's astounding. For example, in the Second World War, the Chinese, what eventually in recent days became the Chinese Communist nation, but in the Second World War, China was an ally of America. And so Doolittle's raid, for example, they were hoping to raid, make a raid on Japan, but they were going to seek sanctuary in any part of what now we call communist China. But at that time, 
They were friends of Americans. So it says the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh. According to the word of the Lord, now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, Yet forty days, Nineveh shall be overthrown. So he prophesied the defeat and the overthrowing of Nineveh, defeated. Though Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian kingdom. But surprise, surprise, surprise. That's Goma Pilar. How many of you remember Goma Pilar? Remember? Surprise, surprise. That Nineveh, of all things, surprises everybody. And they receive the word of the Lord. Now, this is one of the, for me, it's one of the most impressive words and miracles in the Bible. Because in this book, we don't necessarily know the exact number of people living in Nineveh. But it's thousands upon thousands. And for them all to receive that word of repentance is quite astounding. Now, this is appropriate for us at this time to look because it's talking about a whole city repenting and humbling themselves. So the people of Nineveh believed. Say believed. And that's how we are starting this year. Exercising faith and believing. Believe. Believe for your wife's healing. Believe for your husband's healing. Believe. We have seen, I have seen, and in this ministry we have seen, children who were nonverbal, who were not able to read, who were considered severely autistic, overnight amazingly healed. One of them is one of the best friends now that we have. Bonnie knows them and relates. He goes often to see them. But their child was considered severely autistic and came to one of our services uh, around Washington, D.C. many years ago. Uh, simply handed that healing from an ICD to his mom. And he, she put it on. And I prayed for him that night. The next day, I believe, around that, either it was the next day or the day after, he woke up and completely transformed. And eventually, the doctors diagnosed, they used to be diagnosed severely autistic, nonverbal, not able to do a lot of things. And then God turned it around, and he was considered a genius. And I've spoken this joke many times that she would play that tape over him for two, three years and eventually he said he called me the talking man and he said, Mom, Dad I want to go see the talking man so he came to see me and one of the things we took him out for lunch and one of the things, he was considered and diagnosed non-verbal remember that and when he sat, sat, when they sat down to lunch with us, I remember it was a steak place. Where is it? The Firebirds, yeah. 
But I, it's so clearly pictured in my brain that he would not stop talking. He was so stimulated and brilliant. And after a while, I wanted to talk to his parents. But he would just, I mean, he was brilliant. And I said, David, look at me. Shut up. <laughs> I've seldom ever said anyone who was ill, shut up. But that when I was just joking with him, but it, it was fun to see. But God will do these kind of miracles. And so I, I'm like, oh, Robert, we believe in prayer. We believe in medicine. We appreciate what doctors can do. But there are certain things only God can do. And we want to look to the Lord in these days and say, Lord, our eyes are on you. Say, Lord, our eyes are on you. And so our focus is there. Anyway, so the people in Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. That's the amazing thing is the richest, most educated people to the most humble people didn't matter. Everybody repented. And that's another different kind of thing. The, the Bible in this story of with Jonah relates to us. It affected everybody. Then word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. So that was the in that time frame, what we would call humbling yourself, repenting, and crying out to the Lord. Sackcloth and ashes. So there would, it would be, sackcloth was something, it was an outfit made out of goat hair. It's not the most comfortable, not, not, does not look like you are royalty. And he, they were in sackcloth and ashes. And that's the classic picture of repentance. And so even the king believes, and even the king receives this word from the highest to the lowest. I appreciate certain administrations we have had in the past, especially the one that was passed. You, if you look at our track record for Bonnie and I, we assisted for many years Brother Derek Prince's ministry, and we were very close friends and traveling companions, etc., etc. Um, but we learned a lot. One of the main major things that he would begin times. Now he could not fast as many days. He would. There were just a limited number he had grace for. But we learned a lot from their situation, and. The king here humbles himself and de his decrees for his nobles also, saying, let neither men nor beast nor herd nor flock taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water, but let men and beast be covered with sackcloth. Cry mightily to God, yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who can tell if God will turn and relent? and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. Then God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God relented from his, the disaster that he had said. 
he would bring upon them. And he did not do it. Say he did not do it. So there are certain times we ask the Lord to do something. In this thing that we're praying, Lord, do not. Even though we, we have been a wicked nation and we can look at our nation. And drug trafficking is at some of the highest level. Sex trafficking is at a terrible level. We have a border that's just open. And uh, the violence is rampant in our big cities. There are a lot of things for us to cry out to the Lord. And so it is time for us to focus seriously on the Lord as we fast and seek his face. Um, as I, I did want to mention that by the way, this is not the main uh, important issue, but I still want to mention it. I don't think I have mentioned it in the last few years, but um, there are health benefits when you fast. And so I do want to just take a small rabbit chase and say there are things, if you have heart disease, whatever, and a few days of fasting really helps. Whether you're battling, you're under cancer therapy, whatever, you set aside some days, naturally and spiritually, there are a lot of benefits when you fast. And then there are different kinds of fasts. I mentioned those. You could have a water fast. Bonnie and I had a, some days we fasted as the fast hope and mainly did water. I did broth, chicken bouillon, things and and regular tea um, you might want to do juice you might like Daniel just do a vegetarian fast and but just like the Ninevites we are beginning this fast with great faith and Nineveh believed the Lord say believed Say, I believe in Jesus Christ. So that's, I mean, it's, it's of course, yeah, we believe. No, I want, to, I want to really say, Lord, I believe in you. And in this 2022, you are going to do mighty miracles, signs and wonders. In our lives, on our individual, our families breakthrough, major miracles for our children and then for our nation. And I want to remind you in that context, and we'll focus a little bit more um, intensely as the days approach in November. But crucial, crucial decisions. And I, I really appreciate so many voices of concern. Um, we need to pray about abortion that it'll be totally canceled in this nation. We need to pray for the Supreme Court. We need to pray for the economy. And I mean, there were some certain things that were done that make you scratch your head. Here we are, 
God has blessed our nation with such oil wealth that we were independent of any used to be remember I don't know why I mean, some of us have lived a long life but during the days of Jimmy Carter we were almost become it made us beggars we would be almost begging the OPEC nations oh please oh please give us, produce more oil because we need it and we had become oil independent I can really particularly concerned you know I mean overnight they made a decision no we're going to go to global warming etc and not make our nation oil independent and be in such a way that we could help other nations also and get, made our position very strategic. So there are concerns that we are praying that we, the Lord will give us miracles and breakthroughs. But these first few weeks, I want to make sure that we set aside time. We may not have done so as much, but I want us these coming weeks to really be choosing to minister to the Lord. Whether you sing, whether you read out loud the book of Psalms, do more than you have done before. Set aside some time for you and your children. If your children are growing up, let them read the word of God. Do some singing and dancing in your, in your home. Let them join with you. Our children need not be left alone. They need to join us in believing on this journey of believing in the Lord. And while we are doing it, by the way, this would be an important time as we begin this year in giving. Giving in a determined way. Giving in a way that we have given thought. Help, by the way, this ministry is reaching out over the, all these many years to nations. We had a TV program directly. I remember, especially in the Farsi, in the Iranian language. And, of course, we broadcast all across the Middle East. And uh, when we would go to Israel and the neighboring Palestinian nation, we would be recognized. And the Palestinians were listening to us just as much as the Israelis, perhaps more. Uh, so make sure, well, just we don't talk much about it, but please be faithful in your giving. So we are in a fast of humbling ourselves and focusing on the book of Jonah and uh, his journey. So we could go to Jonah chapter 1. In, uh, on Friday, we looked at Jonah chapter 3, which was the city receiving in a very amazing, miraculous way the word of this prophet who is from Israel. He is not an Assyrian. And yet they bow to the word of God and receive it and change the destiny of their nation. As I've said before, that th nearly 3,000 years later, when there were free elections after Saddam Hussein, when we went in, the largest 
number of people that were Christian that were voted in in Iraq were from the area we would call Nineveh because it had repented. And that repentance was so powerful that, I mean, it was still the nation was being blessed even though today. The same thing, by the way, I, there was a city um, in Upper New York that had, in, I think this was in the late 50s, early 60s, there was a Reader's Digest article that measured which was the most honest city in the United States, of all things. And that said, it was this city. Now, so right now, I'm, I even ministered there. I think Cornell is in that city. Um, sorry, I just I forgot which. Huh? I believe it is Rochester. That some of the most powerful revivals held were in the city by, with Charles Finney was in Rochester, New York. And 150 years later, approximately, I think, it still so affected that city that it was, and the, another one was Buffalo, New York. It is, if you go, I've been, I mean, almost uh, <clears throat> aficionado of airports in the United States. I've been in so many of them. But I found the most wonderful, peaceful city I've ever been in where I've traveled is Buffalo, New York. And I never thought I would ever say that of New York State. But they, they were affected by Finney's revival 150 years ago or more. Um, so, and the whole, I believe, quite a bit of the effect on, was on the slave trade here in the United States that people say, no, we will not have that. People don't give credit as if it's a, we believed in some kind of political philosophy. No, it was the influence and the influence of the Lord Jesus and the gospel that drove people to say, no, we are people of character and we will not allow this dark shadow to be over this nation. So anyway, in chapter one, just for a moment. Chapter 1, chapter 2, and then we'll conclude there. Um, is, uh, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, that's the first time. Remember I said, and then the Bible says, the second time the word of the Lord came. So here's the first time. And the Lord tells uh, Jonah, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it for their wickedness had come before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarsus from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarsus. So Tarsus was all the way on the coastline near Spain. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarsus from the presence of the Lord. So it, take note. From the presence of the Lord. Say, from the presence of the Lord. So he's running away from the Lord. Uh, uh, I don't want this to carry this word. That's what, and, and verse 4. But the word of the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea. And there was a mighty tempest on the sea. So that the ship was about to be broken up. Then the mariners were afraid. 
And every man cried out to his God and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest part of the ship, had laid down and was fast asleep. So the captain came to him and said to him, What do you mean, sleeper? Arise, go call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots, that we may know for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Please tell us. These are very nice. I thought they would be rough and tumble sailors, but they are very gracious to Jonah. And... uh, Where do you come from? What is your occupation? For whose cause is this trouble upon us? What is your country and what people are, are you? So he said to them, I'm a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, Why have you done this? For the men knew that he had fled from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them, so that's, I would, I don't know whether I would have been so honest. Jonah confesses, listen, I know that this storm and this misfortune has happened because I am on this boat and God is after me. And if he has to create a storm, he will do that. And uh, for the men knew that he had fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more tempestuous. And he said to them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea. Wow! That is so unusual. Then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest is because of me. Nevertheless, the men rode hard. Even then they would not throw him over to return to land. But they could not. For the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. Therefore they cried out to the Lord and said, We pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life. Do not charge us with his innocent, with innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased into sea from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish. So talk about divine appointment. How many of you would like to have a divine appointment with a big fish? And the great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And this is the word that Jesus shares in in Matthew 12. And this is why I think this is one of the great, great words in the New Testament. Because Jesus himself confirms verse 39. The scribes, Pharisees says, Master, we would like to see a sign from thee Verse 39. But Jesus answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, 
there shall be no sign be given to you, but the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Now, the men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. Behold, a greater than Jonah is here. And that's amazing, isn't it? That Just pause for a moment. That the one preaching to them was not Jonah. Jonah was a great prophet, but in no way measured to Jesus the Lord Alpha, Omega, beginning in uh, Yeshua, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And yet he gives them an example. This is the sign. As Jonah was in the belly of the whale. Now here, I want to share just a little bit of uh, somewhat of a, I don't know whether it's a problem or not, but um, in Jonah, you get the impression that it's a big fish that swallows him up. But Jesus himself said Jonah was in the belly of a whale. And uh, some of you may remember several years ago, one of the first times ever in history, a whale showed up on the coastline of Israel. How many of you remember that? Remember, I, I shared that word. And it was very unusual, but whales do appear rarely, but sometimes on the coastline there in the Middle East. The waters are somewhat warm, but whales have appeared. And also, um, in the 1890s, I'll have the exact date, um, but there was an occurrence now, some have argued about this, but around the Falkland Islands in the 1890s, there was a fishing vessel, and uh, an accident happened, and many people were thrown out of a, one of the smaller boats, and one of them was swallowed by a whale. And three days later, they found this guy. He was about 23 years old. They said he was unconscious when they found him and his skin was bleached and all his hair was gone because of the juices of the fish. But one of the jokes that I made, but it's based on truth, is do you think he smelled like fish juice? No. He was the nicest smelling prophet so if someone, if you want to ever give, ask a quiz of someone, who is the nicest smelling prophet? Uh, Jonah was because the vomit of the whale is the most wonderful perfumed thing in nature. And they, if they can gather this kind of, literally it's vomit of the whale, it smells so awesome that a lot of the perfumes in the past, and even today, are made, some of the foundation, is from whale vomit. It's amazing how God works. Um, did you have something, Bon, on that? 
No, to tell you the truth, I was actually Googling, probably not the best example in the middle of church, but because I remember when you told that story and that whale vomit, it literally floats and it's called some kind of gold. They call it whatever gold, but it does. It has these properties that are the thing that are used in the most expensive perfumes because it is the substance that uh, allows a fragrance to last and you know and be be permeated they still use it uh, so Jonah being in the belly of the whale for three days man he was surrounded with whale vomit and so as he walked towards Nineveh no wonder they believed this so this is the sweetest smelling prophet I just made that up I am not so sure that it actually smells good. Not Correct. until they fix it. But that, the, the, the other thing, the story about that young man um, in the 1800s, you, you, the, I mean, Jonah was so humbled. His appearance and everything would have been, and I don't know, maybe they thought he was a ghost at that point, right? Because he was probably bleached and had no hair and, uh, you know, no telling. But this story has so much in it. One of the other things that I noticed is when they, pre when they got ready to throw him into the sea, and he actually volunteered for it. You wonder if he actually volunteered to save everybody or literally to keep himself from ultimately having to go to Nineveh because he seems pretty intent on originally not being a blessing to these people that had oppressed and um, marauded Israel for so long, the Assyrians. So the name of, by the way, the... Floating gold. That's what it's called. The what? Floating gold. Whale vomit is called wow. floating gold. That's something. You don't get a lot of these extra details in a lot of other places, but we thank our pastor for his addiction to history and other interesting stories <laughs> that always help to illustrate our Bible. <laughs> yeah. His name was James Bartley, the sailor they found in the whale's tummy. And they got him out. They, they, first of all, they found a boot that came out. <laughs> There's someone in there. Better find out. And he was, he was not dead. Surprise, surprise. He was, he was unconscious. The scientific supposedly. name is Ambergris. Thank you, Ed Seal. That's great. Thank you, Ed. Yeah. Um, and, but the, this happened... The swelling of the by the whale was near the Falkland Islands, way out there near, off the coast of Argentina, and uh, so it does happen. And then let me read the chapter two, because it ends with something awesome. That's our chapter, part two, of the fast that I would like to suggest. It says. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the fish's belly. And he said, so it doesn't matter where you are from, where you are, cry out to the Lord. That's the main key. I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction. And he answered me. Say, he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol, I cried. 
So he describes it like almost like hell. And you heard my voice. So God hears us even where in the middle of hell. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas. And the flood surrounded me. All your billows and all your waves passed over me. Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight. Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The waters surrounded me. They, even to my soul, the deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. So, I mean, he's way, way down. There's a song called Down, Down, Down. He went down, down, way down among the weeds. Deep, deep ocean. But see, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I'll pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. So as he declared that, as he prayed, so the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out onto dry land. Isn't that something? God communicates with everybody. So if you have difficulty with your cat or dog, realize God, God can communicate with them too. He communicated with the giant fish saying, um, I think it's time to throw up this prophet of mine. He deserved it. So don't feel guilty. But now it's time. He has a job to do. Anyway, there he is. So week one, which will be still till Tuesday, is week one. Because we started on Wednesday. But then the second week, I would like to suggest, you can pray for many other things also. But that second week, I would like to focus on thanksgiving, praise and worship. We will enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. And we read in the book of Jonah, the deliverance comes as we thank the Lord. And can I just say that the end of his prayer, where he says salvation is of the Lord, actually Jesus' name actually means the Lord is salvation. So in a way, the Lord was also prophesying relating, uh, regarding the fact that he was the one. He would be hidden for three days. He would be resurrected. And it would be the ultimate revelation that God is salvation then and that, in fact, it was in Jesus himself. So that's literally the name of Jesus at the end of Jonah's prayer. Salvation is from the Lord. Amen. To sum it up, and then we're going to take communion now. But Jonah's story was confirmed by Jesus Christ himself. Secondly, God's plans are divine. And they are God's plans. So even if it Part of it is story is, and the there is a divine appointment that a big giant whale is going to consume you. The whale will be there right on time, saying, "Oh yes, I have an appointment with you. 
and you're going to come into my belly. No, please don't swallow me. Yep. I am on a commission from God. And you're going to reside in my tummy for three days. And this is happening. A lot of events in the Old Testament we see focus on Israel and Judah and etc. But this happens in Assyria. The most evil, supposedly rebellious nature, most violent nature, and yet they all repent and come to come to the Lord, and God shows mercy to them. So God is interested in all nations and every nation. Um, when we had a chance over the years, and some of you were, have been with us, um, Michael, did you go with me to Korea one time? Yes. You have, yeah. We like Korean food. By the way, Koreans were very hospitable, very sweet. And they hosted us in one of the most gorgeous hotels. So, but that was a very poor nation in pain until the Americans in the 50s were, had to confront communist China and stop its development. And the Americans went there. And because of that, that whole nation turned around. They came, majority of them are Christians, came to Christ in a major way. Japan did not do so because of the lack in the church here. Because MacArthur requested at first about 3,000 pastors to come. Oh, missionaries, help me. This nation is going to turn to Christ, and they wouldn't do it. And they said, at least send me 1,000 missionaries, and they wouldn't do it. How many then? At least 10? Or about 10 missionaries went. And I said, gosh, he asked for 3,000, and just 10 were sent. So there's a lot of things that the church in America at that time needed to answer to. But he really felt like, and there's a very interesting movie that just came out recently called Emperor. And it's about Douglas MacArthur and Hirohito and what they do and the, uh, the way the American soldiers acted. It's amazing how brilliant they were and uh, what they did to help uh, calm the hearts of the Japanese. It was a perfect time for them to hear the gospel. Anyway, um, realize that God loves and interested in every nation. And may God, so that's something that we can, as we pray for this nation or the others, know that God wants to show mercy to every no, no, nation. And fourthly, God is in control. And whether it's the fish, or the sailors, or Nineveh, the Lord is over all. And that we are accountable to God. And finally, we can all change. And as a group and as an individual, we can all repent. I have been astounded how many have repented in the past. We had a wonderful crowd in Cairo, Egypt, of all things. And there were a whole bunch of unbelievers and from other traditions. 
and they would turn their lives over in the most amazing way. They would be weeping, crying, making decisions for the Lord. So don't assume that everybody's hard on it. God is open, and we need to be in prayer for all of these different people because God is able to give any people group a heart to repent because our God is a supernatural God. Say, my God is a supernatural God. And so you see several miracles. One of the great miracles is the fish at the right time. And he delivers Noah right there. Uh, God, is this the right place? Yes, this is Assyria. All right, throw him up. And out he came, smelling nice and perfumey. And the other is the whole giant. It's like New York City today, which it needs to come to the Lord. But it would be like the whole, like Nineveh repented all of it from the king down to the camels and donkeys. It's amazing, God's grace. And may he come again in that mighty way to our nation and the nations on the earth. May vast amounts of populations turn the living God. That's our prayer. Amen. Hallelujah. So remember, this week has been corporately, and we can pray for other things, of course. You can start praying for the elections, etc. But the main corporate burden is to humble and repent, like Nineveh did. And uh, the subjects of other fasts were dif somewhat different, like Esther's three-day fast. Lord, save us. Uh, Ezra was something like that. But Nineveh is so uniquely, like with Jonah, humble and repentance. Humility, humbling and repentance is the subject of that. So that's how we are starting this fast. And then the second part will be Thanksgiving. Or we can, if you wider a ver version of it is Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. So, so thanksgiving, praise, and worship would be a good way to do the second week. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We hope you enjoyed this message. To order more great resources by Mahesh and Bonnie Chavda, visit us at chavdaministries.org. For a full catalog of our products, you can call us at 1-800-730-6264. God bless you.